credit is not sexy. Okay, we're, we're going to try to change that today, but generally speaking, credit is not a sexy thing to talk about. It's not like buying five properties or uh, saving $10,000 or anything of that nature. But the funny thing is, is these are the bricks that your mortgage application and your financing is built on is actually credit. And without knowing this information, there's a very good chance that you're paying too much money in your, whether it's your car insurance, whether it's your mortgage, whether it's your credit cards, anything like that. And it's actually amazing how many misunderstandings and myths there are around credit. And so we just brought up today a list of uh, facts, like 10 facts, 10 things that you did not or probably don't know about credit, how it works, how the scores are calculated, how lenders use it, and kept this as a pretty short, tight episode that you're gonna walk away with learning something. This is gonna be another cornerstone episode. Uh, key information, again, whether you're in the space or outside the space, if you're looking to learn more about how to sharpen up your application, you're gonna to wanna to know this stuff. Um, so enjoy it and listen in. Now, before I get into that, obviously we gotta give our uh, shout out to our five-star reviewer of the week. Uh, this comes from um, Ian McKay. Thank you so much, Ian, for leaving the podcast review. It means a lot to us. He just left this one about a week ago. It says, finally, an epic local Vancouver real estate podcast that bangs. So thank you, Ian, for this. This podcast bangs. So nice to hear the information and data on local markets that is clear and direct. So many nuggets in these episodes. The boys will have you feeling confident, well-educated, and eager to make your first deal or make it another one that you didn't think was possible. Thank you so much, Ian, for leaving that review means the world to us. You're going to get a amazing Thrive Cup, Thrive Cup as well as uh, some delicious Republica coffee. Thrive branded, of course. So thank you very much for the review. Guys, there is one thing we ask for when it comes to entry for us to continue giving this information. It's really simple. Number one, um, leave us a review. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Number two, share this information out with family or friends. So I guess that's two things we're looking for. So share it out and leave us a review and you're going to get a delicious uh, uh, bag of coffee and a really cool Thrive mug. So, hey, thanks so much, Ian. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the episode, guys. This is going to be a good one. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. So changing a little bit of directions here, this episode here, in the last few weeks and months, we've been talking about construction, uh, we've been talking about investing, we've talked about all these key important factors around real estate and growing your real estate. But, you know, we're, we decided to take a step back here today and talk about something that impacts your ability to acquire real estate or get the money to acquire real estate. And it's always overlooked. It's not often overlooked. It's absolutely always overlooked. It's not taught in school. Uh, we're never taught this stuff formally. And we're put in a position where we have to figure it out on the fly. And I see total polar opposites as it pertains to this topic. You know, some people talk about it as it's the, you know, the number one thing that a lender looks for. And something, some people talk about it as, as it doesn't even matter at all. And so what we're talking about today is credit and the importance of having credit, obtaining credit. And, and realistically, we, we broke it all down into 10 key facts or factors that you need to know about if you want to improve your credit score and you just want to understand it better. If you're looking to borrow money, if you have money that you borrowed or in the future you want to borrow money, these, this is a must listen episode. You need to know this stuff. So let's just, let's just jump into it. We, we broke down 10 facts, 10 key 
need to know is, and I'll just kick it off right into number one here around credit agencies. So, you know, um, right off the bat, there's a, a lot of different types of what we call credit agencies in Canada, in the U.S. It's important to understand that the U.S. credit agencies are different from the Canadian credit agencies. They have their own reporting methods, and they also report to different agencies. But what we want to talk about is that in Canada, there are only two key players as it pertains to your credit, TransUnion and Equifax. It doesn't include, a, there's no you know, borrow well or, or credit karma. We'll touch on that a little bit later, but there's only two uh, credit reporting agencies in Canada. That means those are the two companies that lenders like credit card companies and mortgage companies and car loan companies, they report your balance. They report how you're doing on your credit. So those are the two different agencies that we, uh, that we see in, in Canada. And that's what we're using on a day-to-day -day basis as it pertains to lending. Hey, yeah, and I mean, just a, it's interesting because there is two agencies, you would think they operate the same and, and you would get relatively the same type of credit score from both, but it's quite the opposite. We, we quite regularly see a, lend, uh, a lender pull a TransUnion opposed to an Equifax and find a car loan that wasn't on the Equifax report. So it, for whatever reason, not every credit account that you have will report to one of these agencies and uh, some pick up ones that others don't. So uh, it is really interesting and it's really important to know what, what both look like and uh, moving on to number two so a lot of people think that the only way that you can get access to your credit score and the guts of what is on your credit report is through you know going through a mortgage broker going through your bank and having them do a hard pull and pull your credit um, you can actually get a free credit report on the TransUnion website on the Equifax website they have subscription models as well if you want to get an email to you once a month um, the free ones where you don't actually pay a dime, it's not going to show you a credit score, but it will show you the guts of what is showing up on your credit bureau so that you can monitor it. You can monitor if there's maybe a credit card that's not yours, or maybe there's a missed payment that you thought was paid on time. Um, so really, really important that people actually do monitor their credit because I've personally seen clients go two years, two years. Um, not knowing that they had $15 owing on a credit card and it has destroyed their credit, right? Um, maybe it's because they moved, you know, they weren't getting their mail. There's always some sort of a reason behind it. Um, so monitoring is huge. And yeah, if you guys want to get access to a free, uh, free credit report, you can find those on the websites. And oftentimes now the banks, like wherever your home branch is, they might have a program as well where they can set you up. And then there's third party companies like Borrowell and Credit Karma and stuff like that as well. And they all serve the same purpose. Um, yeah, so just so everybody's aware, you can absolutely get access to a free credit report uh, today. Yeah, just on the monitoring piece, it's quite common that clients will close a, an account. So they'll close down a credit card, they no longer want it or use it. However, it's still reporting as an active open account on, on their uh, credit bureau. That may not be a detriment to your credit score, but if you don't actually have that account, it may be a good idea to just make sure it, it actually does get closed out and removed from your bureau. Yeah, on the topic of credit reporting and credit monitoring, and Derek mentioned here, you can get a free report. We recommend actually going directly to Equifax. Uh, you can actually reach out to them uh, right through their website, right online, and get a copy of the report. Not necessarily the score per se, but a report which will summarize exactly what's on your account. And I think people forget, like, this is this is such an important factor for you to consider. Even, even like, you know, when you're d daily looking at whether it's your weight or your muscle mass or all that kind of stuff, as it pertains to lending and your financial health, this is something that you should be looking at. If not biannually or semi-annually, so to speak, uh, you should be looking at this once a year to understand where you're at. T to Derek's point, and again, we'll keep, we'll keep talking 
talking coming back to this here, um, we do recommend that you look at your Credit Karma and your TransUnion. Those other companies like Borowells and Credit Karmas and so much and so forth, they don't actually get the reporting directly from the credit card companies. They get it more as an amalgamation from these other companies, which is actually a point that we didn't hop into too far yet around credit scores. We're going to jump into that next. Uh, we got to remember that these different TransUnion and Credit Karma, they actually have their own scale or sliding scales of, of uh, what your beacon should be and what matters and what's important from good to good to bad. So hopping right into that, because again, a lot of people hear, hey, I want to have a 900 credit score or an 800 credit score or a 750. I hear all these different variations of that. Um, what is the scale based on? I mean, you got to know these things. It's a 300 to 900 credit scale. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think I've ever seen a 300 score. Have you seen, you guys seen one of those yet? Pretty close. I've seen some low 400s, but very rare. Yeah, I actually almost feel like I've seen more 900s than I've, I don't think I've, I've I might have seen one in the 300s, like 395. So it feels like it's actually easier to get a better credit score than to have a terrible credit score. So that, there you go. Some good news for you folks <laughs> out there. Anything else on the scores, guys, like in terms of range or, or very, so yeah, go ahead. But. Stats say the average score is 650. I would say the average score we see is closer to 700, 720. Um, and, and it's good to know that you should have at least a 680 if you want to obtain AAA uh, interest rates from a, from a lender that's going to give you a mortgage. So 680 is kind of like where your minimum threshold should be. Anything below 680, you are going to be scrutinized and potentially declined. Yeah. And you know, what's really important on credit scores, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people, especially people that maybe are, you know, in their 50s, 60s, 70s, they've been around for a long time. They've got equity in their home or what have you. Um, back in the day, if you had a good credit score and you had reasonable uh, level of income or affordability, you could typically get a mortgage. Um, that's not how it works anymore. A lot of people come in and they you know, maybe they have an 880 credit score. Maybe there's two of them with 880 credit scores and they think that they should get a better interest rate than the guy that has a 680 credit score. That is not the case. Should they? I think probably. <laughs> I would think that there should be some level of benefit, but there isn't. Um, basically, the way it works with your traditional lenders is conventional, like your Scotia's, TD's, what have you. Um, if you qualify based on income and credit, everybody is essentially um, offered the exact same rates and products. So the main driver in a mortgage application nowadays is income. That's how you're going to see a higher qualification is, is simply based around debt servicing. Uh, having good credit is more of a requirement nowadays. Um, and obviously for many different reasons, having the best possible credit score is awesome. I think everyone should continue to work at that. But having a slightly better credit score than somebody else isn't going to push you further across the line. Playing the the devil's advocate to that detail in that point. So De Derek, you know, the 680 to 900 range obviously is pretty key. There are some... Um, you know, again, we're, I don't know how detailed we want to go here, but you know, I know our listeners love to know the dirty details, so to speak. There are a a few lenders that will offer promotions and things of that nature that we see where the credit score has to be, say, a seven fifty or seven twenty. Although that's not the norm, and that doesn't limit you from as as Derek mentioned, that doesn't limit you from having AAA options or having great options. It's just that you see now, and I've seen it more in the last year than you know, two or three or four or five years ago, where they're starting to maybe. Um, offer certain types of incentives for those folks that are out there. And, and Derek, or Dean, to your point around our clients having a higher credit score, I mean, that just shows the you know quality of our, our clients. We've got some really smart people that we work with, which is great news. Um, uh, below 680, just touching on that really quickly, there's a lot of concern that people can't get 
a mortgage. I, I see these things on Instagram, I see it on TikTok and online saying like, if your credit score is under 680, you can't get a mortgage or people just don't think that. What would you say to people like that, Dean? I mean, it's obviously not true. There are a lot of options for clients that have damaged credit uh, going to alternative lenders. So we talk a lot about alternative lenders and uh, around self-employed clients and for income issues because they're writing down their income or they're just not, you know, they're they got a really good accountant. However, those same lenders have programs specifically for damaged credit uh, and credit repair programs. So you go there for, say, a one, two year term, repair your credit. And then the goal is to exit and move back to a bank when your credit scores uh, back to where it should be. So there are a lot of programs for damaged credit, but it's funny. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of these lenders that focus on you know these credit repair programs, a lot of their clients are also averaging quite high credit scores. So back to your point earlier about you know these three ninety nines or you know these low credit scores, they're rare. Um, most Canadians pay their bills and are pretty good in and keeping a good credit score. So, I mean, just to answer your question, there are options, but uh, we're not seeing too many uh, clients needing those options. Yeah, and if your credit score is between 600 and 680, there are still bank slash monoline lender, you know, A options available to you. Uh, typically in those scenarios, a lender is gonna just wanna understand the story behind the why. What happened? Is it just because you don't have much credit? Can we add a co-applicant or something of that nature? There's there's just kind of like this little gray area right there where there's still options for you. Um, it's when things get under the 600 range where it gets a little bit more interesting as as Dean mentioned and you start to look at those alternate uh, type lenders or credit repair programs because we do know some of the uh, credit unions are a little bit more flexible with those programs. So it's not all lost. There are options for you. So Definitely, these are conversations where you just need to speak to a mortgage broker because if you walked into a bank, you're probably going to be turned down straight away. If you have a poor credit score because of a hardship, like something happened in your life, you were very sick or you lost work or whatever it is, like document that, have a good story because uh, back to you know banks providing exceptions and, and getting back into one of those, those banks, a lot of banks will make an exception for somebody that has a good story due to a hardship. So uh, just document your, your stories. Yeah, that's a key point. So your credit score, is, it, it's used for more than obviously just borrowing money. You know, we've got insurance agencies, uh, cell phone providers, leasing companies. Um, heck, we talk about this in real estate and landlords, uh, employers. So uh, the other interesting thing about this is we talk about credit from a perspective of getting money for a mortgage. But if you apply and, and you're going to rent a place or if you are a landlord and you're looking at a place, I don't know about the listeners out there, but I do a credit pull. And I'm going to look at that person's credit report and I'm going to basically, again, understand the specifics around are they making their bill payments on time? Most importantly, what kind of bills are they paying on time? Do they have much credit? I mean, that's that's a key thing because I want them to pay rent on time. And if they can't pay a cell phone bill, that's concerning to me. Yeah, there's a lot of like, you know, going through life with damaged credit just makes everything more challenging. BC Hydro is an example, right? If you don't have a credit score that's up to par, you have to put up a deposit which makes it that much more financially straining when you're going into a new rental or a new property or whatever, right? So I think the purpose of this fact number four is just that credit is used for so many different reasons outside of buying a car or, or buying a home, right? Um, and you know, there's a lot of people out there that just aren't in a position to buy a property and they sometimes let things go because they just think it's never going to happen for them. So yeah, just keep that top of mind. There's so many different reasons, you know, finding your next rental, um, like you said, even applying for a phone plan, right? So really, really important just to stay on top of that and keep that in mind. 
Yeah, thanks for saying that. That's really key about the BC Hydro piece. I mean, um, and, and, and uh, you know, if anybody's listening to this and maybe doesn't have the greatest of credit, you know, it's it, as we talked about, it's crazy how quick you can actually improve it and, and, and get your credit score up. So let's talk about the factors that, that impact your credit score. And this is really where we get to the, the middle of the uh, sandwich, so to speak, here and really get a breakdown of what people are wanting to know. So there's, there's five factors uh, impacting credit scores. So I'll just label them off and, and then we'll, we'll kind of rattle back and forth on this. But length of credit history. So how long have you had the credit? Has it been a month? Has it been six months? Has it been five years? Uh, credit utilization. Again, so that's are you using the credit? So it's great that you got, you have this second credit card, but if it just sits there in your wallet and you never use it or you only use the same credit card, that's important to know. Again, how much of the limit have you used? Uh, Derek, I think you're going to reference the limit here in a second. Um, you know, but that is an important consideration to the amount based on how much you you have available to you to the amount that you're borrowing. The different types of credit you hold. Again, is it is it four car loans or is it four credit cards? Is it a mix between them? The frequency, like how often, if we see you if you're looking for buying a car just a heads up you guys want to be smart about how you're doing it and who you authorize to to pull your credit that's a key and then last but not least your actual payment history so where do you want to start on that guys i mean when you look at those five factors it's like what do you rank as the most important and and i'd say a lot of people would argue that payment history is the most important out of all five of those and reason being is we've had clients that have 800 credit scores but missed a mortgage payment not happening like the bank is not cool with that one missed mortgage payment even in the course of like a five-year duration there's they're, they're going to ask questions and they're going to pick you apart uh so i would say payment history has got to be the most important and i'd start there yeah and just keep in mind like a credit report is like a report card right like when a bank looks at that it's because they want to they want to read a history and hopefully a long history of how dean or alex or derek have managed their credit like has Dean had five credit cards for the last 10 years that he's never missed a payment on that he actively uses? If so, that is going to be something that's going to build up Dean's score, right? The accountability, everything. It just, it all goes a really long way. Um, the type of product is really important as well. Like, you know, having maybe two phone bills, two phone plans in your name, but no other credit products, right? Like that's not gonna go very far for a lender because maybe it's a $100 payment per month. It doesn't really give them the reasonability that they're looking for. Same type of thing, I've seen clients that have had two $500 credit cards for three years. Sure, they have a good credit score because they've never missed a payment, but you know, again, you put yourself in a lender's shoes and they're gonna be giving someone a $500,000 mortgage, but the only history that they have to look at is you know $1,000 worth of credit. So, you know, I always suggest that if you're good with your credit and, you know, if you're good with your money, always take the increases that the banks are offering, get those limits up as high as possible. It's always good to have credit in case you need it. Um, if you're not the best with your money and you overspend, probably not a good idea, but, uh, balances, keeping balances low is really important as well. So there's kind of a, a suggested level and it's the 50% range. So if you have a $5,000 limit on a credit card or a line of credit, whatever it might be, um, you should try to keep your balance below 50% of the limit. So you should never let your balance get over 2,500 bucks. Sure. Maybe you need to buy an air conditioner cause there's a heat wave and it's four grand and you throw it on your credit card. Fair enough. Pay it off right away. Um, having credit sit over 50%, especially when you're getting above 75% of the limit, if that sits and you're just making your interest only payment every single month, a lot of people think they're good. They're not over their limit and they're making their payments, right? But what that's really telling the credit report, you know, the Equifax, the TransUnion is that that person 
has racked up debt that they can't afford to pay off, right? So interest-only payments, it's okay for a little bit if you don't have the cash or it's tight or whatever, but you should be paying down principal on every single payment that you make. Yeah, I mean, that's so that's all around utilization. And that's the one that I said, I would say probably blows most clients mind when they find out that their credit score is a lot lower than they would have expected because they've never missed a payment ever in their life. But all their credit cards are maxed out to the very top of the limit. And now their credit scores deteriorated over the course of, you know, six to eight months. And, and it, it's mind blowing to them. It, it's absolutely shocking and they, and they don't get it. So that is very important to understand. Yeah, last piece on that, and this is something that I see probably one out of every eight to 10 applications. Um, so rough numbers here, but all the time I see couples, married couples, uh, just individuals who are together. And uh, one person has the credit score in, in all of their name. I see this w way too often. And one person will have a credit score and the other person will have like that joint credit card, which, you know, is good for the purpose of financially reviewing your information, knowing where your money's going and so forth. But only one person is collecting the credit from that. And so I can't, I can't even tell you how many different applications where I've had to say, okay, hold up, you know, uh, Mr. and Mrs. or Mrs. and Mrs. or whoever, this person has all the credit. You literally have nothing in your name. So it's one thing to have a score. It's another thing to have no utilization. So it's important to remember both parties should also have their own cards or lines of credit or things of that nature. So that's a hot tip. It's very common where somebody will get that credit card, right? They'll get give their wife the credit card with their wife's name on it, but it doesn't mean they're on the account joint. So like, when you're asking for that extra card ask make sure you ask a clear question like i want to make sure she's joint liable for this product and add her to that like not just get the card it, it, it that that is very confusing for a lot of people speaking of uh speaking of credit reports obviously this is our whole conversation today errors and omissions how many credit pulls do we see errors on i feel like it's so I said one out of eight for the second, but it's it's errors are on almost every single credit card. If you have not taken the time to pull your credit report once in the last year or two years, do not be surprised if the next time you pull it, we see an open account that hasn't been closed. Um, we see something maybe that's been reporting that you weren't even aware of. Maybe it's $2 on a on a cell phone bill for like, again, I, I, the amount of times we've seen that, errors and omissions, this, I know this is kind of deeper down the list, but this is so key you have to look for these things it's common yeah like just a couple examples we see mortgages big mortgages registered on people's credit bureaus that have been paid off five years ago when they sold their house but whether it's the bank or the lawyer or the credit reporting company somewhere in the mix it was not reported as closed and paid so you know that comes up and you're in the midst of a mortgage application you have five days to remove your financing subject it's a mad panic you're now trying to call equifax and call your bank and you're calling the lawyer who tried to tried to close you know the transaction so there's that kind of stuff um, we also see credit products it's kind of rare but i've seen credit products that actually don't belong to that person like it's a loan that actually is not theirs and they have to go and investigate with the bank and these are not joyful phone calls they're pretty painful right you're dealing with like customer service lines at banks which you know there's always wait times Equifax and TransUnion are not pleasant to deal with it's a painful painful process so staying on top of credit monitoring like we talked about is is so so important 
especially if you've recently immigrated to Canada and maybe you have a different name or you've, you know, you've changed your name in some regard. I see this quite a bit with, uh, with clients that maybe have a name from a different country come over and they've, they've tried to, you know, go with more of a Canadianized name for what, for whatever reason, um, because it's easier to pronounce, what have you. And now they're getting different credit bureaus. So I've had like, where, where I pulled it in their Canadian name, which is on their ID, they've legally changed their name, but it's now, you know, they have no credit and every all their old credits in the other name. So like just really understanding, you know, cleaning up your 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 situation, especially around names. I mean, people could change names for whatever reason, but I find uh, new to Canada clients uh, quite regularly struggle with that. So often and with so much, and we're going to talk about this in future episodes, but with so much planned immigration from everywhere from the U.S. to other parts of the world, this is going to be something that's going to continue to come up and, and have to be reviewed. So, um, you know, credit scores being uh, evaluated and adjusted. So if you have made, again, uh, errors or, or mistakes in the past, this is something we talk about to people all the time. This is one of the big parts of this uh, episode right here. This point is realistically about the fact that because something happened in the past, this does not need to completely define your future forever. Now, we dare, uh, Dean mentioned this, you're not paying a mortgage payment is unfortunately one of the worst things you can do for your credit, but that does not mean it is permanent damage, right? There are things that you can do to continue to put yourself in a better financial situ situation to improve your credit. I mean, how many times have we seen a client who had a credit score in the, in the 530s or 550s hop up to a 650 to 680 over the course of six, 12 months? Like tons of times. Like that's not that long of a time if you really think about it. I mean, heck, that gives you time to save your money too, right? Yeah, and it's pretty simple and easy to do, right? Like you pay off your balances as quickly as you can. You stay on top of your credit. I find a lot of people when they're trying to reestablish credit, they stop using it. I've actually had people go through, you know, a, a bad situation where they have a bunch of missed payments, consumer proposal, whatever it is. And they're like, you know what? I'm never going to use credit again and I'll be good. I'll have great credit. That's not how it works. No credit is just as bad as terrible credit. Right, because there's nothing for the bank to rely on. There's no history. And just for reference, typically, like so with A type lenders, um, if your credit score is below par or, or you don't have credit, oftentimes they actually won't use your income. So if we're really reliant on your income in an application and that's wiped out, you're not going to qualify for what you were pre approved for, right? Essentially. I mean, the best way to put it, I mean, somebody mentioned it was like a report card. I, I look at it as a resume. If you, I mean, if you're applying for a job that requires five years of experience, but you haven't done that job for five years, you're not going to get the job. Like you're, you look at your credit score as your resume and, and it's got to be current. Hey man, it's just like, it's just like muscles. You got to work them out. You got to work them out. So, um, yeah, let's keep, uh, let's keep this train rolling. Two more, two more key points here to consider out of our 10. If you guys have been following around, that was eight key points that we hit out of 10 here that were really important to know about your credit. And so going back to, to knowing, so we're talking obviously, you know, being able to improve it and how easy it is to improve your credit. But you know, the ninth one here is actually checking your credit score. And so we could talk a little bit, we referenced this back earlier and uh, you know, in the beginning of the episode around getting a free credit report. Now this, this comes down to actually checking your credit report. Now, Dean, you mentioned that you actually have an account with Equifax where you can monitor and check your credit score on a regular basis, right? Correct. Yes. I have a personal account that I pay, I think nine bucks a month. I monitor it through Equifax. I thought that was the most prudent uh, agency to use because that's primarily what most lenders utilize is the Equifax uh, Bureau. And what I found with with that is I've, there's been many times where I, you know, I monitor my credit pretty regularly and then I go to redo my mortgage or, or, or get another car or what have you. And the score is different with the score that my personal Equifax account provides 
is usually different. It's very rare that it's even 30 points close to each other. Like it, it we're talking like a 50 point discretion um, or discrepancy, sorry. So I, I, and I don't know why that is. It, it's, we, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of rumors out there as to why, but um, uh, the one that seems to make the most sense is the fact that when you're pulling your credit score for a mortgage, there is a heavy emphasis on utilization, on payment history. Uh, the algorithm that that we're looking or Equifax is looking at for the purpose of a mortgage is 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 different than when you're just pulling it for your personal, uh, you know, purpose, right? That just which it seems to make a lot of sense to me when you think about it that way. I mean, a a, more, a, a bank is going to be far more concerned if you're likely to go into bankruptcy because all your credit accounts are maxed out. They're probably not going to want to give you a mortgage uh, because of those reasons. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's one thing that we've, we've heard and, and it seems to be true. Yeah. The unfortunate side of that is, you know, maybe somebody does have damaged credit and they go on their way and we set up a plan for six months and, and they're following along on Equifax or Borrowell or whatever it might be. And they come back to us and they're like, Hey, my credit score is 750. Right. And then sure enough, we pull it and it's still 670 or whatever. So that part is really unfortunate because you're not really going to know the proper score until you go through and get a, a hard pull from a mortgage broker, uh, which again, it's frustrating, right? Nobody can really <laughs> wrap their head around the why behind that. Obviously there is a reason, but um, yeah, to get your correct score, you'd have to get a proper pull. Yeah, so keys here, it's good to monitor your credit, good to know your credit, use uh, an app or go, or what we recommend obviously is to go directly to the source instead of going to one of those apps which tend to be way off. But just knowing where you're at is important. So starting there, just don't think that's the be all end all. And remember that your score can be very different from uh, from what it is showing on there. So let's talk about get best practices here to actually improve your credit score, some key points to actually putting you in a better situation. Now we've heard different iterations of this and I think it depends on if it's TransUnion or Equifax, but there's some good rules of thumb. I mean, the first and most important thing, make sure to pay your balance in full as much as possible. If it's 50 bucks or $500, paying your balance in full is key. Now that doesn't mean that you sh you know you can't pay the minimum balance. Paying the minimum balance is obviously much better because you're not missing your payment. But if you can show that you could borrow $300, $500, $800, whatever the number is, and actually pay that back on a monthly basis, that will improve your credit score. That will put you in a much stronger position than the alternative of not paying it or not even making the minimum payments. What's the second uh, uh, tip there, guys, to improve the utilization or improve your credit? So it's the utilization, <clears throat> like we talked about earlier, <clears throat> you have a $5,000 credit limit, you don't want to be sitting at $4,900, you don't even want to be sitting at $4,000, you want to keep the limit 50%, uh, you want to keep the balance, sorry, below 50% of the limit at all times if you can, make sure to, to watch that. Something that happens a lot of times is maybe somebody only has a $500 credit card limit or a $1,000 limit. That's pretty easy to rack up, right? Like 500 bucks, you'll get groceries and gas, you're pretty much probably maxed out. So in those situations, I actually recommend that you increase your credit limit to a point where you don't need to utilize that full amount consistently. Uh, so that's huge. Just make sure you stay on top of where your balances are at. Most credit card companies, I think all of them have an online portal. They probably have an app nowadays, right? So if you're waiting for your statements that come in the mail, don't figure out how to set it up online. It's pretty easy. 
Yeah, I think one thing too is just a mix, right? Like a lot of people will get like a $20,000 credit card and be like, this is way more than I need. I'll, I do not need any more products. And that that could be the case. But uh, having a good mix of credit products is, is important too. So, you know, a line of credit, add in a line of credit as well. Um, just shows that you, you know, you have more, uh, banks are relying on you to pay back more than one product. So having more than one product is important. And, and if you can throw a mix in there with a line of credit or even a car loan or some sort of an installment loan, um, shows that, uh, lenders are willing to lend you money. That's good. It's not a bad thing to take on debt. Um, well credit, sorry. Uh, it, it's a bad thing to rack that, rack that up and turn it into debt, but having a lot of, uh, access to credit is a good thing. Final tip on this, and, and we're going to end it off with a with a banger, very very key <clears throat> piece of information for anybody listening. To this is uh, first and foremost the amount of time that you actually apply for credit, or the frequency at which you do. There's not a specific number. Oh, you can only apply you know once per year or twice a year for a credit card or a car loan or things of that nature. It's a it's a combination of all these factors together. As I mentioned earlier, if you are shopping for a car, that's probably one of the times that you want to be the most careful because these guys will these guys will uh, keep hitting your credit over and over and over and over and over again. You have to be very careful when you're working with the car dealerships. That's something where we've seen a lot of issues occur. But typically, um, you know, we hear people can say, oh, I, I checked my credit last year. Is that going to be okay? That means you probably have a, a pretty good credit score. You're doing okay if that's the, the concern here. What, what I think we're, what the lenders are looking for is you to be checking on a, you know, let's say you check it five times in a month or six times in a month. And that's what happens actually in this leading into it. This, when you shop, when you go and shop for a mortgage on your own, when you go to one bank and the next bank and then the X company and the next credit union, you're doing not only a credit check, but you're doing a hard credit check at every single one of these lenders. So we've actually seen it. And this is one of the first things we look for when we pre-approve or get someone's mortgage. We've seen people that have one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, as much as seven or eight different pulls from different mortgage companies and banks and things of that nature, that is a huge red flag for a lender, a massive red flag. And it is the first question that they're going to ask us when they look at your credit, unless there's a bankruptcy or something of that nature. That's the first thing they're going to look at. So remember, as a mortgage broker, we pull your credit one time to review your credit and we can work with multiple agencies. Now, is it a bad thing for you to go out and uh, get pre-approved and then have to pull your credit again in a month or two months or three months because you're submitting your offer? No, that is not a bad thing. But shopping it around is a very bad thing and lenders actually look for that. Yeah, and keep in mind, it's, it's a human that's making the lending decision. So there's an underwriter that's underwriting for the bank and looking at this credit. So, so there, it, a human's going to think like it's not a, it's not a computer it's just like oh here here it is this is this is how it works black and white so to your point you pulled your credit you know 10 times in the last month the the the, the underwriter's thinking like what happened did did the bank tell you no 10 times like what am i missing like i'm missing something you must have been declined 10 times why would you possibly go and pull your credit score 10 times like something's up. You know, a lot of people come to us and they want a pre-approval, but they don't want us to pull their credit because they think it's going to dramatically damage their credit score, which is not the case. Um, that's not the way the system is built. You have to be able to access your credit to use it, right? So it's doing it on a, on a you know, a well-managed level. Um, and we actually had Julie from Equifax on a podcast of probably five months ago. Um, and she had mentioned that there's an algorithm that Equifax has, and if they see, you know, a credit pull from Thrive Mortgage today, and they see another credit pull from Thrive Mortgage four months later, when you're actually buying the house, and then one from Scotia Bank, because we went to the bank, uh, in that situation, it's not going to lump that in as three 
credit pulls, which is going to hinder your credit, it actually lumps them all into one because it, it can read and understand that it's all, you know, it's all for one transaction, right? It's, it's two coming from one mortgage company. It's coming from one bank. So yeah, don't get, uh, don't get caught up in worrying about your credit score dramatically dropping unless you've done what these guys just mentioned and gone to 10 banks first, then probably something to consider. But if you're just going directly to one and, and you know, you're working with one, uh, one good mortgage company, you'll, you'll be fine. Yeah, and actually, I'll make one more note on that piece uh, as a last piece. So the, does that mean that you can't go to um, TD Bank and then come to us? No, that is not the case. What we're suggesting here is uh, scenarios where people are quite literally going from one to one to one to one to one and then coming our way, right? So we do lots of second opinions for people. That's not going to hurt you. But again, it's it's more about abuse of the, the credit that they're looking for here, right, in, at the end of the day. So, um, you know, credit forms such a massive part of lending. It is not talked about. So when you're listening to this stuff, like make your keynotes, listen in. There's some really, really, really important points. Everything from getting that Equifax report of your own, watching that, knowing that the report uh, scores are different from your Borowells or Credit Karmas to the reality. Reality, uh, talking to an expert that understands this stuff. If you're talking to your bank and they don't know how to explain this stuff to you, you got some serious issues. So again, that's why people come to us. We're, the pro we're professionals and this is what we do for a living. So guys, as always, uh, when you love this episode and when you love this uh, podcast, share it out to everyone and anyone that you know. Help us spread the good word. Help us spread some good information. We're all about educating you guys. And if you want to find out more about working with Thrive Mortgage Co. for your real estate and financing needs, all you got to do is drop us a line, thrivemortgage.ca. Hit us up on Instagram at Thrive Mortgage as you can see, we're all very uh, relaxed uh, guys that really give a crap about what we do and we love to work with you. So have an amazing, amazing rest of your day, evening, morning, whatever you do, make it amazing.